friends, welcome to episode 182 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. Welcome home, Rob. Thank you. You were on vacation for like a week. I was, and it was fantastic. Good, 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 good. Yeah, I, I, I kind of applied what we've been doing for the last three years to my vacation. I am an over-planner. Mm-hmm. I normally will make sure that everything is, is nailed down and I have backups and I, I have planning and I've, I've negotiated things because it's, it's not out of a lack of trust for other people. It's that I know things happen. Mm-hmm. And so I just have to be prepared. And for this trip, I literally flew. I, all I had for plan was I'm going to be at the airport at this time to fly down and I'm going to be at this point to go fly back. And I have a place to stay. Yeah, right on. That was it. And I was it was terrifying at first because I had no idea what I was doing. But I literally had to rethink of it as like, I'm literally just driving over to my friend's house and hanging out for a week. That's the mentality that I had to go with. Now you got it out of your you got it out of your system when you made the two page process document for feeding your cats. You're darn right. I still took <laughs> my girls needed to be taken care of, and they were taken care of, and that was what no, was they, important. They were they were good. They were no, good. they were they sweeties. Were... I came home and they literally jumped all over me. They were so happy to see Vicky and I. And yeah, absolutely. We we ended up having to do you know it was it was the uh, how's it it's they were crazy and then they were like cuddle me and now I'm crazy now cuddle me. Now crazy and cuddle me. Now take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been good. It's been good. So. Yeah, right on. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you got to, like when when you texted me and you were like I just got it from a two hour nap. I was just I just like silently fist pumped. I was like yes, that's not me. He slept. I don't. <laughs> he really do that. I I think over the course of one particular day, I did somewhere close to four and a half hours of napping. <sighs> Such such good news. I'm yeah. so happy for you. So, but I feel so much better about it too. So I'm I'm good. I am stepping back to work uh, tomorrow, and I, I've got a pile of stuff waiting for me. But you know what? That's tomorrow, Rob. That's not today, That's Rob. That's tomorrow, Rob. And you know what? Your your boss is traditionally pretty good about uh, making sure that you know things are pretty pretty covered for you. Yeah, he knows what I have to get done tomorrow, and it's yeah. clear that he's made sure that the stuff that. I shouldn't be dealing with is not being dealt with so yeah. that I can get to what I need yeah, to. Your boss so. is a good goalie. Yeah, yeah. I like him a lot. Like uh, him we a got lot. Uh, uh, Mouse Guard coming up next weekend. I yeah. Think, so, I think, yeah, I think that is coming up. And then your game's the following weekend. The following weekend, yes. Yeah. So it's it's stacked up a little bit. Um, I know you've got a bunch of stuff to pull together. Yeah, I uh, I had a I had a commission to paint. Uh, so I and and my my cat got a got a UTI. I was off all last week too. Um, but then my, my cat got a UTI, so, uh, I, I had to, you know, schedule vet appointments and make sure she was taken care of and required a lot of extra attention and care and stuff like that yeah. time that I, I could have and should have been spending painting and whatnot. And just it like, by the time I blinked and it was Thursday and I'm like, Oh God, like I haven't, I haven't worked on a single thing of my own. My house is still a mess. Like this weekend, this week was supposed to be my like get stuff done week and it disappeared on mm-hmm. me. so no um, i i know how that feels we're like like i'm gonna get this done i've got to get this done i'm going to get this it didn't happen it didn't what, happen. what's going on here what, what do i do now you know and by sunday i was just by saturday and sunday i was just resigned and i'm like i'm just gonna play some video games because i'm so stressed out i just need to relax yeah you know? i mean you still have to enjoy your vacation exactly. that you're taking i mean it's good that it happened at a time when you could take care of her but that doesn't take care of you yeah yeah exactly so, so yeah, uh, but uh, but you know things things are taken care of. She's feeling better at least. 
Well, that's good. Um, and I'm slowly working through my my own work backlog. So, um, but uh, I've got I've got two weeks to get this stuff done, or a week and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, I'm I'm pretty confident I can get something together for you guys, and it'll it'll be okay. I think I most definitely believe that you will. I most definitely believe, and if I I will try and help, I think I can a little bit. I know you, there's certain things you could probably hand me, and I could do a few things to get you through. But I am I am not at the level of painting that you are. But I've done some terrain with you now, and that is things I can help with. That's fair. That's fair. So. Uh, I think what I need to do is uh, Sean and I need to get the, get the 3D printer fired up. Yes, and because uh, I kind of want to make um I I've I've let this slip a little bit. I kind of want to make the tavern the forecastle. You should um. Thought uh, that that's that's kind of down the harbor district for you guys, and I want to make the interior of the tavern. I'm usually against like I, I know like a lot of like terrain building tutorials. They're like, here, your first thing should be a tavern, and I'm like, why? Why will you ever need the inside of a tavern? Are you going to be fighting in the tavern? I mean, you might have a combat scene in a tavern. I'm not sure. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's the one thing that hasn't happened. Yeah. Like we've had tavern scenes. Yeah. Just different taverns. Just yeah. different taverns. She's never never had. Ninjas. I mean, uh, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Fight well, breakout. Yeah. Fight breakout. Yeah. So, uh, for those interested, uh, the live show chat because everybody should be able to see it. You may not be able to comment, but you should be able to see it. Uh, can see a picture of the girls there. Oh, in their hoodies. Nonetheless. Yes. I love that picture of the two of them. They are adorable. That is in uh, the hoodies. Contessa and Isabella. That and is Bingus they're... and Scrungles. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes. That, that that has been a, na- a few names for them. That's but Isabella are... and Contessa, and they're yes. adorable and they're sweet. Yes, and uh, they are they are they are fantastic girls. So I love them both very very much. All right, so. enough uh, enough banter. I think we've got uh, we're, we've got the we've got the cobwebs worked out. I yes. think it's time to step into this. Time to step into so this. actually step back into this. So uh, back in episode thirty something. Uh, it's it's definitely been a while. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. Um. We talked about the Matt Mercer effect, and at that point, Critical Role had been around for a little while. A little while, um, but um, I think the Matt Mercer effect was still uh, relevant at that point. Yes. This was um, – the original post for the Matt Mercer effect was in 2018. It was a four years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it kind of caused a buzz in, mm-hmm. in the scene um, because uh, it was it was a bit of a controversial topic. Got a lot of people talking about it. So the Matt Mercer effect, for those of you who are not aware... Um, and who may not even be critical role fans, you may have at least heard the name in passing within right. the D&D circles, but don't know what it is. Exactly, yeah. Um, so the critical role uh, critical role came on the scene. Matt Mercer is the storyteller, the, the dungeon master for critical role. It is a live play with actors, voice actors and actors. Yeah, professional voice actors. They actually got together because they were working on a project together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of them... Um, uh, Liam O'Brien, who, if you play World of Warcraft, is the voice of Illidan Stormrage, mm-hmm. uh, amongst many other characters. Many other characters. Many other yeah. characters. I think he's voiced several characters in Naruto and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and uh, Matt himself is the voice of a character in Overwatch. Uh, he's the voice of McCree in Overwatch. Which has changed to something. I don't remember what they yeah. changed it to. But uh, he's the voice of McCree in Overwatch, um, Rexar in Warcraft, and... Um, one of the main characters in Attack on Titan. Yes. Uh, and I don't. I, I haven't seen Attack on Titan, so I don't remember what. So that's a few is. of the names. But I think a... it's like the main character, if I remember yeah. correctly. So they. This is a live play of D and D. They started in Fifth Edition, if I'm not mistaken, with they, Crit Roll. No, they started. Well, okay, so they started in Pathfinder First Edition. Thank you. Thank you. When it was their home game. Correct. Okay. Um, 
and it, again, I'll just gather together like a bunch of bunch of voice actors from the industry. Um, and uh, uh, one of them knew Felicia Day, who yes. at the time owned um, uh, Geek and Geek Sundry, and, Sundry. Yep. and uh, practically a channel, if you will, of of things. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and Felicia Day uh, asked if uh, uh, they wanted to try to broadcast their game on the air because it sounded like a real hoot, especially yep. since they're all professional voice actors. Um, they agreed. They didn't know if they were going to get anybody to watch it, and it blew up into what we know and love today, which basically shifted the entire landscape of D&D in the public eye. And kind of Geek and Sundry to a degree. Yeah, put Geek and Sundry really high on the map. And... Put uh, put a lot of other people who were doing ancillary projects around Geek and Sundry, uh, who are working with different groups, also up, drastically changed the... Uh, the meta of D and D at that time, because now you had people who were cross genre nerds, aka people who were voice acting nerds who knew these people from other things watching this. You had, you know, and getting interested in D and D. You mm-hmm. had whole communities uh, of gamers who were like, "Oh, this is a thing." Fledgling D and D people being pulled into watching this and enjoying it, and just random people who were being talked, to, you know, who were hearing about it enough that they were like, "Fine, I'll watch it," and then got interested yep yep so uh but the cultural impact basically of this and this is kind of where we get to the matt mercer effect uh is that matthew mercer is a uh largely regarded as a phenomenal storyteller Mm -hmm. um i i tend to agree with that um and uh he really like went all out and still goes all out with his uh with his his storytelling um always has background music of course as a professional voice actor you know his npcs all have mm-hmm. amazing you know full-fledged voices um liam is basically quoted as saying that uh e- even in the first game mm-hmm. um he would watch Matt flip through like three, four, five different characters in the span of ten minutes, mm-hmm. and just seamlessly dropping in and out and through different different NPCs, keeping the voices, the tenor, the feel. And he's like, "If this is the, even if this is the only time we play D anD D with this guy, like I am going to hire him for every project I can get him on yep. because yep. this is amazing, you know." Yeah. Um. But but he he brings all that talent to his uh, to his tabletop. Um. And uh, because of that, and because of the high production value of Critical Role, um, mm-hmm. even even in its meager beginnings, you still had professional voice actors who were professional trained, audio trained. Well, yeah. not, not in the beginning, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but but trained voice actors trained in improv professionally. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that were all riffing off each other, improving off each other and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when you put a bunch of professionals in that environment, of course, you're going to get a good product. Yes. Um, and so, along with bringing a lot of new people as this watchable, entertaining form of media, bringing them to, like, what is Critical Role? I mean, our own our own beloved Knox in the Box is one of mm-hmm. these people. Very much so. Had never played Dungeons & Dragons in his life. But heard of Critical Role, started watching that, and was like, oh, this is good. In fact, put me onto Critical Role. He was the one that told me about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this new generation of people, very much like Knox in the Box, who were like brought into it through introduction to Critical Role. Um, unfortunately, you have this effect, um, if, if, if I might be so blunt, you know, very much like, like pornography almost, mm-hmm. where you see it in a produced setting with professionals – and you think that's how it's done. 
Yes, yes. Um, and that's kind of what the Matt Mercer effect is. Yes. Okay, is new people coming to the table with false expectations of what that game is going to be like, what the role-playing experience is going to be like, what the quality of their storyteller is going to be like. Or what the quality of your storytelling should be like. Should be like. And what you need to emulate. Well, what, what they expect it to be, is right. what I'm saying. What right. the expectations are, you know. And how much fun they're going to have at the table, because mm -hmm. they think they're going to be sitting at a critical role-like table, when really it's a bunch of, you know, chuckle jokers at, uh, you know... Your local between, gaming store, Between yeah. 15 and 20 years old at the, at the, at the FLGS. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Who don't know what they're doing and have barely read the, the player's handbook. Um, and it, it apparently had led to a bunch of, like, um, mismanaged expectations. People yes. were showing up to games and thinking the game would be one way and it wasn't another. And two things were, were kind of happening off of that. One was either people were, were coming away with a very sour taste in their mouth. Or they were then putting those expectations onto their DM mm -hmm. and saying, why aren't you doing this like Matt? Yeah, or why can't my game be more narrative like Matt? All this is is technical. Yeah. And yeah. It, it doesn't feel the same. Why doesn't it feel the same? And a lot of threads came out of that negativity. Mm -hmm. There was quite a bit out there, and so we kind of did a piece on that. Now it's been a few years, to say the least. Well, it's been three years since that episode. And it's been... a lot of episodes of Critical Role, mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of other Let's Plays, yeah, from all over the place, all over the spectrum, not just D and D either. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's good to see, you know, yeah. kind of in that sense. Um, and so you, we we started this discussion based upon one thing, but then you put out a post. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the other day I created a Reddit thread um, on r slash D and D next. And uh, I was kind of expecting just to get a, you know, maybe a dozen or so answers just to kind of get the pulse for what was going on in the in the community. Because, I mean, you and I, we, look, we play a lot of games, but we don't play in the community anymore. We have a very closed table. And so we're actually very poor representatives to speak on what... Um, what the community is doing right now, what they're experiencing, and especially what the new player experience is like, because all of us at our table have been playing for 25 years, clearly. Yes. You know? Um, and so to kind of get the pulse on it, um, I, I put out a, uh, a Reddit post and basically just kind of said, uh, hey, um, you know, is the Matt Mercer effect still a thing? Um, what does the, you know, what does the shape of our gaming community look like after all these years? You know, what what's what has been the lasting effect of it? And uh, that got 1.4k upvotes and over 600 responses. Mm -hmm. So I was a little overwhelmed by that. Um, so thank you, by the way, if, if any of you are listening right now, thank you very much for your responses. Uh, yeah, very was, much appreciate you chiming helpful. in with your We own. had some great comments. Yeah. Um, and it, it really gave us another flavor of not just the harsh negativity. Mm -hmm. There was actually... Quite a lot of interesting support in different directions. I would say overwhelming positivity, actually. I would agree, too. So, uh, and just to be clear, it was not the first time it's been said, Knox. It was actually around two years ago where that comment came from, and it was uh, uh, it was a commenter on a YouTube video where I had heard it first. Mm. But as much as we would love to say that we came up with that, no, 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 no. That, <laughs> that comment's been around for a little bit, so. But, uh, so, so let's... Let's kind of wrap 
the areas that we're talking about here, the broad trends. Sure. Um, so in this Reddit thread, I saw three main um, uh, through lines in the discussion. Um, and that is, one, the Matt Mercer effect has never existed. Yeah. It was a myth. It was something that the internet blew out of proportion. Um, and uh, aside from a few little random edge cases, it never happened in the scale nor in the intensity that anyone ever made it out to be. Which often is the case about commentary versus reality. Yeah. We see commentary, but we don't see explosive commentary. I was I was a little surprised that that it didn't happen to the scale that I thought it did, but I wasn't surprised. I guess like I guess like, I kind of wasn't surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now the second through line was it happened. Um, yes. And it is actually bad. Now I would say these responses were in the drastic minority. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll, I'll get, I'll get to those, but there were a few people in there who said, oh yeah, the Matt Mercer effect is absolutely a thing and it sucks. And I hate critical role and I hate Matt Mercer. There was, yeah, there were some things there. Um, and then, uh, another through line of the, and this was again, a, a great majority of them, uh, the Matt Mercer effect did happen, but it was actually a good thing in yeah. what Critical Role brought to the community. And we'll we'll kind of address some of the things that came out of that versus what we said before. Um, but I think breaking it by those is going to help us get through this topic. Because there were some other pieces, even beyond the commentary within this thread that brought was brought through our discussion. So I want to start with the concept that it never existed. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that... Most people didn't really see that. The comments that were thrown out there were by a major- by a minority of less than 5% of people actually playing D&D, and that Matt Mercer really was a poor attribution. Oh, like, yeah. That it, the, it should have been the critical role effect or the let's play effect. Yeah, yeah. That, that this, you know, the Dimension 20 or Adventure Zone or Dungeons and Daddies and critical role all through together because they are all professionals at what they're doing. Yes. And yes. that contributed to this professional look and professional feel that a number one, if you wanted to put out your own let's play, it had to meet a certain level to even be quality. You had to have a certain formatting. Everyone had to be seen. Everyone had to be miked. Everyone had to entertain, mm-hmm. you know, it had to have that feel. And, you had to do something that had been done, and if you didn't, you weren't going to do well, right? You had to have, you had to be doing D and D. Yep. And you had to do something unique in D and D that wasn't so far unique that people didn't understand what was going on. Right. Right. You know. So you you had you had to kind of stick to the there was they they created a formula essentially. Yeah. And, and if you and if you strayed too far from that formula, you just you just didn't make. And anything. there was a ton that fired up and died, or a lot of very short one shots that included cosplayers or Twitch people, mm-hmm. people who had semi-established followings that were then attached to existing, that were attached to games in a semi-celebrity way, a celebrity way, if you will. Celebrity. Yes. Hello. Hello. You know, but like those types of games. Would come and then on top of that, even we saw this with the um, with the let's plays that involved uh, game creators and designers. Mm-hmm. They had to meet that standard. So a lot of times they would drop into people who already had an existing let's play to do a session with them yeah. of their game and follow the format, mm-hmm. if you will. So, um, 
Now, one thing, one thing that that uh, was brought to my attention uh, actually in this YouTube thread, um, uh, and I, I apologize, I actually should have written the attribution down for this for this one, but uh, somebody brought to my attention um, a uh, a video from a YouTube channel called Dungeon Masterpiece. Okay. Um, and uh, the video was entitled "It Doesn't Exist." Okay. Period, and it was simply about the Matt Mercer effect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it and the the whole thesis statement is the Matt Mercer effect doesn't exist. Um, and what he said basically in this video is that any time you see the Matt Mercer effect, quote unquote, happening, um, mm-hmm. of you know people coming to you know a player going to their storyteller and saying, well, Matt Mercer would do it this way, or Matt Mercer does this, and Matt, why can't you do this like Matt Mercer? Mm-hmm. Okay, is that what you've got is essentially a player who is just asking their storyteller for some changes to their game. Mm-hmm. Um, to provide different content, but they're just expressing it poorly, and they're just making a, an unfortunate con- comparison to Matt Mercer that doesn't honestly need to be there. So, you know, for instance, Matt Mercer has better combat encounters. What is this person really saying? They're saying, please provide more interesting combat. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, mi- mix up your, you know, your your creature types. Um, have an objective during the combat, so it's not just a murder. Sh- yeah, mur- it, it, murder it's not spree, just a know? murder spree. Give it, give them some life. Give us some other options beside a murder spree. Yeah, get, you know, make the terrain more interesting or some, you know, something yeah. like that. Right. Um, you know, Matt Mercer has sprawling a sprawling intertwined story. All this player is saying is, please provide more lore and intrigue. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what you do in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You communicate. Now, that isn't great communication. That's targeted communication. But in a way, it's fantastic communication because now you have something to reference. Yeah. You know, like, you just don't do it for me anymore as a storyteller. Doesn't let you become a better storyteller. But if it's just like, yeah, uh, you're just, you don't, you don't run your game like Dimension 20. Okay, I guess I got to go so watching Dimension Twenty and figure out what's going on over there. Yeah, and I that's mean, a start point at least. On one hand, it's an unfair comparison, but on the other hand, like look at the core of what they're asking for, mm-hmm. you know. And if that's something they find entertaining, maybe yeah, maybe do a little, you know, look look past the unfair comparison and just be like, okay, clearly they're doing something that this player likes. Right. Is that something I can provide for them? Because I want everybody to have fun. Right. You know. You know, maybe I'm too hard focused on what I think I'm not doing well. Yep. Which is often the truth. Yep. We 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 judge ourselves in a much different light than everyone else at our table. Mm-hmm. And um, probably the, the 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 last and most frequent thing that I saw with people who um uh said that the the Matt Mercer effect never never existed, um. Those that conceded that they did see any sort of people coming in doing the critical role mm-hmm. comparisons, oh, well, you know, critical role does it like this, or Matt Mercer does it like this, um, basically said that, like, a uh, five-minute conversation with that person to basically just be like, yeah, look, none of us are professional voice actors. Are you a professional voice actor? No. There you go. Yep. And that was it. That was literally all it took to kind of reset expectations for everybody. Yep. And... And it never, it never ruined tables. It was just, we're not critical role. Oh, okay. And people moved on and had fun. Yeah. You know? In the few times that I read anything or saw anything that kind of leaned into that the effect didn't, the effect existed, it was part of things that were already out there. We were all, people were already assuming that your game would be like Lord of the Rings when the Lord of the Rings movies came out. Mm -hmm. Or I read a bunch of, you know, 
you know, Dritz Durden books, and I expect my game, my, the game that I come in to be as dark and edgy as those stories. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. And instead, it's a bunch of jokers sitting at a table talking about, you know, going and murdering goblins. And, you know, the barbarian has named his character Fartmaster of the Oblivion, you know. <laughs> yes, <so>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's those types of situations where they come back like nobody took the game seriously. Well, that's a bad table to sit at. Why don't you go find a table that meets your level of seriousness? Well, I'll never, I can never find that. Okay, okay. The problem is clearly where you're looking. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're just looking in the wrong places. The relationships are hard. There's a lot of DMs in the sea. Move on. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's it's a hard thing to say, but that's the truth. Sometimes no D and D is better than bad D and D. That's true. That's yep. God. This episode is getting deep into that direction. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's not a bad comparison. We just can't make that comparison to keep the show going in that direction and on Apple T on Apple uh, podcasts. <laughs> so we'll leave that there. Uh, do you want to move on to the next one? <laughs> no, I have to look at. Do you have to look at Overwatches? <laughs> Fardmeister. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's fantastic. Uh, what is that? Still, a wife wouldn't want her husband constantly saying, well, Bob's wife does this without taking that personally. I doubt she would look so objectively at it as, oh, he wants more of this. I mean, that that's true, but... That's also a... It's a different set of circumstances. It, it, it is, but I, I get I get what you're saying. Like, right. it is... Uh, it is insulting to oh, hear I'm that I'm not going to take else... that it isn't insulting to be compared but... to, to Matt Mercer or right. to somebody else. But... But I, 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 th- I think the important thing is for everybody's for, – for the good of everybody, look past that and try to get to the root of what they're really asking for. Mm-hmm. Clearly this person feel they want something and need something out of it. Now, whether they're being entitled about it, that's a, that's a different discussion. Right. But if you're going to take a positive takeaway and not just be petty Betty about it and serve up some petty Betty spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, sometimes I do that too. That's mm-hmm. fine. I'm not always the biggest adult in the room. Um, but if, if you are going to, you know, be the big adult, look past it, try to take it as a learning experience. Look at the, look at the request for what it, what it is at its core and not for its insulting facade. And, try to provide that for your players. The second part of that, that, that I'm going to bounce off of that is, is kind of leaning into what Overwatch just said, which is where I was going with my commentary. Read is what that, Overwatch said. Uh, read, read that, which is, he said, uh, it's more like your significant other watching a rom-com or, some, rom-com or something and saying, we should have hijinks at the Eiffel Tower like they do. Yeah. And that's the truth. You don't take your DMing personally. Number mm-hmm. one, don't do it. That's not what there's, that's not what's going on. The yeah. table is the table. You are part of the playing group. Mm-hmm. Remember that. The question is, are you listening to the table story or are you doing your own thing? And if they're trying to tell you what they want and you're not hearing it and then they make the statement, well, why don't you do X like Y? Okay, they're, they're trying to help communicate. They, they're taking a step that you need to follow. Yeah, yeah. You've got two choices in that, in that situation then. You can either hear the request for what it is and say... Oh, okay. They've essentially just told me how they can have more fun. Yes. Or so, you can be like, no, now since you asked for it, now I'm not going to do it. Exactly. So just don't take your DMing personally. That's the biggest thing I can say from that one. Mm-hmm. So stepping away from that and into the next phase, the Matt Mercer effect was bad. 
actually, actually, <laughs> um, I would say that it is these were infrequent and vague responses that it exists, and I think this is common. Mm-hmm. You're not sure whether or not these were legitimate responses by people who were telling legitimate stories, because it's all perceptional. These happened to these people in some way. Either they were feeling this way about it, and they had their own personal opinions, which is fine, or they were sitting in situations where they saw something that they claimed was the problem, that it had ruined the table, and that Matt Mercer is the target for why that happened. Yeah. Uh, what I what I found, though, was that uh, the, the big difference between these two types of posts was that the ones who said that the Matt Mercer effect did exist and that it was a bad thing didn't elaborate. Everybody who said it wasn't a thing or that it was a good thing um, had a story to tell along with it um, about their experiences with it. Or, you know, I've been playing for X amount of years. I've never seen it. These sort of things have happened at my table, but I've never seen these sort of things happen at my table, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then you get these other posts like, it's absolutely a thing and it destroys tables. And that's it. The the ones that I saw that I felt were questionable were pe- – and I say questionable in the sense that it was still their experience. It was still their detail behind it. Sure. Said, you know, th- it is a thing and it's the fault of, of these live plays, especially Matt Mercer, because all I did was try to run a game at a convention and these people wanted me to – expected me to have terrain and voices and lighting and like smoke effects because I was doing this dungeon thing. And all because I wrote in the blurb that it was going to be an undead crawl uh, to the likes that, you know, uh, to the likes of something. And they expected it to be a Matt Mercer show all, show all. And I just failed them horribly at the table and they all walked away grumpy. And it was like, okay, did you state you were going to do something like Critical Role? Did you compare yourself to them? And that's why the expectation was there? Yeah, yeah. You know? Or were you grouped around a bunch of people who were doing that type of thing and you were considered a master DM offering a master, you know, level dungeon Mm -hmm. and they had a high expectation regardless of Matt Mercer. And then you provided a beer and pretzels experience. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, that's that whole thing of like, just because Matt's name is out there as a thing, it doesn't mean it was his fault that your expert level DMing didn't meet up to the par. Like, it was your expert level, mm-hmm. you know, but there's no certifications here. There were no checkboxes going off. Like, y- you set your own situation in that. Yeah. Or people mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, well, they're all playing these these characters that are from Critical Role. They're just replicating the characters from Critical Role. That's clearly the effect. It's like, that's not the same thing at all. So, buddy, I've got some bad news for you. And this this was another response I saw um a, a lot in this thread, is that... Uh, oh yeah, people. They just want to. They just want to replicate critical role players or characters. And so many people were like, "That's always been a thing." Mm-hmm. Like before, before the quote unquote Matt Mercer effect, where people all wanted to play, you know, <coughs> Percy and Vexalia uh, clones. You had countless Drow Rangers dual wielding scimitars with Panther pets mm-hmm. named uh, Dr- Drink. Don't Dordan. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, so you, you, we just call that the R.A. Salvatore effect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Or, um, or ripping right out of, of other books out of, you know, well, I'm playing this character, but they're not from this world. I'm, I'm playing this character from Dragonlance. Yeah. 
or I'm playing this character from Record of Lotus Wars. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm playing Deetlit, but I'm doing it in D and D, so it's different. I mean, hell, even um uh even uh uh Overwatch yeah does this frequently at your tables. I mean, he, he differentiates that he differentiates the character enough that it's never yeah. like I'm just playing this character. He played Paul Muadib. Paul Muadib in Seventh C, and it was fantastic. <laughs> um, and another one was uh, Levi. He named his character like Levi Strauss or something like that. Something or, like that. Yeah, yeah. Leviticus Strauss, or I, I don't remember what it was. But it, but yeah. either way, that this is good, and I I don't yeah. think this is ever a bad thing. It's not. It's a common thing to grab a trope, grab mm-hmm. a known character, turn them into your into your thing, and play. Like <laughs> it's not a. That's not a huge. Deal. Do you know how many D and D Batman's there are? There are literally millions of D and D Batman. So many. Because if you can be Batman, always, always be, be Batman. Batman. I mean, that's an Duh. option. We all do it. God. You know? So everyone you, everyone knows that. Yeah. I mean, that's just a thing. But the point of it is, is that it happens, and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. You need to get over yourself that everything is unique. Because, by the way, there aren't that many unique characters out there. Yeah. There's, yeah, really there's a short list of unique stories. There's a short list of unique characters. You can always find somebody that's attached to, you know... I'm sorry, Avatar wasn't an original movie, neither was Fern Gully, all of it was Dances with Wolves, I'm standing on that soapbox. Yep, yep, so, you're right. So, like, the point of it is, is that you will always be able to find someone who's attaching themselves, and that's a good thing, because then people at the table can look at your character through a lens, and they can have a feeling sure. to go along with it, and... Because you're all working in theater of the mind's eye, you need some common language, right? And 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 it gives you a guidepost for role play as well. Like if you ever get lost in your role play and you think like, "Oh shoot, what do I do in this situation?" Well, what would Paul Muadib do? Yeah, you know, we 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 talking like when he meets the Fremen? Are we talking like when he has to go defeat Fade? Like <laughs> whenever? But it yeah. gives but it gives you it gives you the guide <laughs> exactly. So in so in short, there get over yourself yeah um now one thing one thing a lot of people did say and they um this is a frequent negative brought up even with people who said the matt mercer effect wasn't a thing mm-hmm. um you had some people saying the matt mercer effect wasn't a thing but one thing we saw after critical role hit was that n- numerous players new players would show up with elaborate backstories Oh, yeah. And not only have the elaborate backstory, but they would want that backstory integrated into the campaign, and they expected, like, a personal arc based on it. Yeah, straight up, I, I expected a beeline plot that followed me and then dovetailed directly into the main plot, and yes. I didn't get that. Yep, yep. Uh, and they, it was because, especially when Critical Role was just blowing up, um, and for those of you who watch Legend of Vox Machina on Amazon Prime, um, was the Whitestone arc. Yeah, uh, uh, was Percy Dorolo. Percy Dorolo's backstory essentially became the main story, mm-hmm. and uh, all of Vox Machina banded together and was like, "No, buddy, you're you're one of ours. Let's jump in and do this." And many tables don't run that way. Many tables have an A plot mm-hmm. that is well and fully in swing and don't have the room or don't have the the, the storyteller does not have the expectation to drop that A plot and promote a B plot to a plot for a time yeah there's um, there's a bandwidth consideration going on there like i i was talking to sean a bit about this and i figured out the, the reason it worked in legend uh, in uh, legend of vox machina slash you know um critical role is because the story of vox machina especially at that time was a story about found family mm-hmm. um they didn't really have a big bad evil guy this was pre-chroma conclave um and for those of you who are going to see season two or saw the ending of season one of legend of vox machina that's that's coming right up for you so 
Not huge spoilers here. Yeah. But the Chroma Conclave hadn't hit yet, um, and so we didn't really have a big bad evil guy. We didn't really have a serious A plot. The main through line in their story at that point was found family. And what what do we, a bunch of random, you know, random, you know, chuckleheads mm-hmm. do as an adventuring group, you know? Yeah. And then the Briarwoods show up. Uh, Percy jumps in and goes like, oh my god, we have to kill them. They they destroyed my entire family. And his found family banded around him and went, okay, this is a purpose. This is something we can all get behind now, and this yeah. will unify us. And Matt ran with it. And Matt ran with it. And it, and it was great. Um, <clears throat> and it wasn't like Talos and Jaffe, who played Percival, um, handed him a 30-page backstory and said, here's this elaborate plot, run it. Mm-hmm. Um, he handed him a vague backstory of like, my family was killed by these people called the Briarwoods. Uh, I escaped. I saw my sister, you know, get, get hit with a bunch of arrows, but I don't know if she's alive or not. Everyone else is dead and Mm -hmm. I want vengeance. Okay. The rest, like Silas being a vampire, Delilah being a powerful necromancer, all that, like none of the Whitestone arc was anything he wrote. Mm -hmm. It was literally, they killed my family and I want vengeance done. Yeah. But a lot of these other people are seeing people show up with these, like, 30-page backstories going, like, here, run this. That's called a novel. Go write it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and or the other part that got me was people coming to the table with, I am playing this person in a different universe. You know their backstory already. Mm-hmm. Integrate it. And it's like, you're playing Conan in a different universe, and you want me to include Conan's backstory. Well, yes. Yep, uh, not going to happen. Not 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 part of this world. Like, I'll teleport you in, and you can be Conan in this new world. Great, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Well, what about my my backstory of being a you know a ruler that that didn't want to rule? I I don't care. You can role play that. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. yeah. You know exactly. But like that that that's its own thing. I I think the one that kind of got me that I feel I feel the pain of mm-hmm. that I think was true is in this in in this section of of it was bad is that D&D is returning to smother the IPs that are out there. Yeah. I think there was a lot of effort by a lot of indie and a lot of other uh, IPs out there, uh, be it, you know, um, uh, uh, White Wolf or Palladium or uh, um, Savage World mm-hmm. um, to try and change what was considered uh, the playing field for tabletop. They wanted to open up narrative more because that's kind of where things were going. And then suddenly you have Critical Role step out in this very tactical game. Very tactical. The game is the game's mechanics are wrapped around murder and gaining levels by murdering and doing that. And turned it into this beautiful narrative story with these deep characters and all this narration. And that now becomes the standard for a narrative tabletop game. Mm-hmm. And that feeling stayed with people and they they attached to D&D they watched it they watched these let's plays they wanted to play D&D they wanted to play their story in D&D 
And someone's just like, well, you know, I want to tell the story in this world, so we're going to play, you know, White Wolf, Vampire the Masquerade, because it's going to be easier. We'll just do it in Dark Ages. I don't want to learn another game. Just do it in D&D. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, I want you to all be vampires. Well, you can do that in D&D. Not, he has vampires, yeah. D- not the same in the least. There's no, like, literally the entire system is developed around vampires. It's called Vampire the Masquerade. That's what it's right, for. Right. Well, I'm sure there's a module that you can get, you know, why don't we just use the, the Strahd module? There's stuff in that specifically for vampires. Uh... And and now you have to, like, mechanic and brew around what your players, quote-unquote, believe. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... It has made it harder for indie games. We have seen where on Reddit, if you go to talk in the mainstream D&D flow of Reddit, one of those major things, the mods don't want to hear about another game. Mm-hmm. They don't want to hear about another system. They might want to hear about your homebrew D&D or like a previous edition of D&D, mm-hmm. but they don't want to hear anything that is not D&D only. Yeah. They don't want any links outside of that. They want to keep it about D&D because D&D is a narrowed area to sit there. And that that really does make it harder for those indies. That makes it harder to step into those realms. These there are some amazing amazing game systems out there that we've spotlighted that have that are far away from D&D and the what they do and what they do well. The evolution has been there. More people have stepped into it. And yet, we're stuck talking about D&D all the time. Like, we're still talking about the grilled cheese sandwich hmm. of of tabletop, right? Yeah. It yeah. gets the job done, but there are things sometimes when you want a pizza instead of a grilled cheese sandwich that you just happen to carve some salami on because you wanted something that was not a grilled cheese sandwich. You can have a little salami as a treat. So that right there kind of got worse because of what it led into, and that is a great statement that was made by I can't I'm not even gonna try. Um that D and D has been TikTokified. Oh J J Quickery. Yes. J Quickery. Thank you. Uh, and I agree with that statement. Yeah, it was a great, great comment about the the TikTok, what he called the TikTokification of D and D. Basically, and the, the, to, to quote him directly, uh, basically any problem you could have in this game um, can be solved with one solution: the DM should just do more work. Having trouble with players being OP? Don't ban things; design around them. Players going Nova constantly? Just quadruple the number of encounters you were using. Boring encounters because you quadrupled them? Just design fun and unique challenges for each and every one of them. Too much combat? We'll also design exploration encounters, social and puzzle encounters, so they're forced to dump some resources as well. Literally every problem in the game is your problem as the DM. They should never be solved by saying no to anything or adjusting anything in the rule in, in the base rules ever, because the rules of the game that people complain about every day and Wizards of the Coast is currently changing, those are perfect and only bad DMs touch them. Any problem you have uh, there is a Reddit post or a TikTok video where someone will assure you they never have to deal with this problem because they always do this one simple thing, which by uh, by the way encourages engagement in their platform. And have you seen my blog? Follow me on Twitter. Yeah, and that solution to a problem has always been more about the brand D and D than about the solution. Yeah, yeah, it's about promotion. It's about getting into the graces of 
the hashtag that is D&D, and it comes back to what we were seeing in Reddit, where it's, if we only talk about D&D, then that's what everyone will know, and it will be easier for us to continue spamming this concept. Mm -hmm. Even if everything we're talking about are problems that D&D creates because it's the mechanics of D&D. We're not going to talk about the bad parts of it. We're going to ignore those and say you're just not doing it right. Yep. Yep. We won't point to where in the game system it even talks about these things. And, and it, it, the, the idea that maybe the rule is bad mm -hmm. is just not considered. It's just that you're not doing it right. You know, the, the, the rules are all good. Yeah. They're pure. No, and I, I think Knox has a point. There was a similar MCU effect in the comics community now. I don't know the comics community, but I know mm -hmm. a lot of people who have open arguments online about, well, that's not canon. It wasn't in the movie. And you're like, what? Oof. Yeah. The, some of the comments that I've seen about She-Hulk and that that's now canon. The comics are not. Oh. It's like... Okay, there's oh, a lot guys. of history there that you really need to read, but oh, holy guys. lord, holy lord. Like, I know better than to say any of those words ever. Yeah. But we had the same thing with Lord of the Rings. Like, people go to Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the, the movies, and say that that's it. And it's like, no, no, that, that, that was a snapshot of a beautiful book series. Yeah. This yeah. happens in every genre, but it's so prevalent. Mm -hmm. out there it's in tiktok it's in instagram it's in everything and D, &D is just plastered as the solution it, like these are the solutions like weight loss solutions the um the thing that i that i always like to say about twitter uh, uh and like full, full disclosure i i despise twitter um try to stay away from it as much as possible i engage with our own twitter on a very limited basis because it's a very curated experience um, and, uh, luckily we have Sam who watches that primarily for us. Thank God for Sam. Um, but, uh, uh, and I, I kind of feel the same way about TikTok is that the, the, the prevalence of social media just kind of in general, uh, I know I'm singling out Twitter and TikTok, but honestly it's all social media is that it gave everyone the ability to post whatever crappy thought crossed their mind in under 10 seconds, mm -hmm. um, you know, while they're sitting on the can, basically. <laughs> like, and, and honestly, 99.9% .9 of things that get put up on social media don't need to be there and are bad takes anyways, yeah. you know? Um, and I realize that I am saying this as someone who have no, you know, has, 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 has no, you know, certification, essentially. Nobody told, nobody gave me permission to sit here in front of a microphone and spout off about how other people are wrong. But... <laughs> <laughs> so, so please I understand. Continue, please so continue I, as I laugh to myself. <laughs> so I understand the inherent hypocrisy of what I'm saying right now. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I am, I am well aware of that. But, um, you know, like, like for instance, even Ginny D. Okay, Ginny yeah. D. has put out a lot of stuff of like, you know, she's been she's been uh, DMing for a very short period of time. Uh, yeah. at this point, um, uh, maybe a little over a year, I think. Uh, but even yeah. she has already been putting out videos of like, uh, going back and lampooning my crappy takes yeah. on D D. I actually have a lot of respect for her for doing that. Yeah, I'm going to go back and look because I had some really bad takes back when I first started DMing. Yeah. And it's like, even even she realizes that some of the crap that she said was just bad advice. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and she's hard embedded in the community. Mm -hmm. I will say that. On both sides, the, both the sure, Let's Play sure. side, the Cosplay side, and now Play side, you know, and I expect that's to grow because she's prolific in that and she mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. markets herself well 
congrats. Um, but the whole thing about that is, is that the humility level of the average person who is doing this as a career. Yeah. And I will say she's doing it as a career. Sure. I'll be honest and, and put that out there. Sure. Um, are taking themselves to a level of seriousness that they can't step away from. Now, you and I both know that there are a lot of community members like ourselves who are, who are working up from the not just D&D side of things, Seth being one of those. Um, How to Be a Great GM, I think, does a pretty good job of, of spreading around, but does lean hard into to D&D as well. Um, But all of us take a step back and say, it is not the only thing. Yeah. And we'll often say it is not the best thing. We'll mm-hmm. show its flaws sure. on, a, on a regular basis because we don't need the consumer protection that they that they offer us in sponsorship. Right, and, th- and this is why, like during every every at the end of every single spotlight, we do what does it do well, what does it not do well, you know? Because not every 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 system is like a tool, you know. And just like you wouldn't use a screwdriver to pound in nails, you're not going to use a hammer to 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 drive in screws. You know, but but there are very good things that each system does every, and there are bad things that a system does. Yeah, you know? and and not even bad bad in in a global sense, but bad in context. Yes, you know, yes. I would not use I would not use like Arc Doom for tactical combat. It's not that type of system. No, you're no. going to have a bad time if you try to run it that way. But does that make Arc Doom bad? No, no, it just makes it not the best tool for the system. Right, right. D and D excels at tactical combat. Yeah. There you go. But you if know? you want to make it feel tense and concerning and make every decision that you're going to make something that makes you sweat for a few seconds. Arc Doom, Call of Cthulhu, Dread. Dread. Yeah. yeah. Like you can lean much faster into the rule sets to get your get the goal of your story out. Exactly. Exactly. So all right, you want to move on to the good stuff. Yeah, I want to step out of the negativity here all just right. for a moment. So the Matt Mercer effect was good. Actually, 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 uh, so many of the responses, and I would say a, gr- a overwhelming majority of the responses, mm-hmm. um, say the critical role and action and uh, other actual plays made the game better yes. in some pretty substantive ways. Um, so first off, uh, easier to find games mm-hmm. because it broadened the community so much. It brought so many new players in. Uh, one Reddit user named Iron Weasel um, quoted as saying, Until recently, I used to run games for randos at a friendly local game store. Most people who came along had heard of Critical Role but not seen much of it. Of those that had strong feelings on Critical Role, the ones that loved it were all pretty pr- positive people. Those who hated it were generally unpleasant. Mm-hmm. The real Mercer effect is that I could consistently find enough to, uh, enough to fill tables at a friendly local game store, despite having living in rural backwater part of the UK. That says a lot. It elaborated that that was Cornwall in a later post, um, for those of you who know. Yeah, who, who are in that area. And honestly, I, I think that is that is a common thread that i've seen and like one of the other ones that i had caught up with was somebody uh in in a a linked piece was talking about the sheer explosion of flgs's on the west coast that oh happened. wow yeah i bet it just blew up well i mean because you've got you suddenly you have a market you mm-hmm. know if you triple the amount of people playing dungeons and dragons you've got to sell to those people correct you know you, tons you, of people getting into the hobby now and... you had bookstores that would never have carried 
D&D books ever, let mm-hmm. alone any role-playing game, suddenly now stocking it and other things. Warhammer minis coming out of nowhere because yeah. celebrities that had played D&D also started talking about Warhammer and painting yeah. and miniatures and stuff. And the, stock what you can. These people need it. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And... It then, like, I think that uh, the video that we both ended up watching, uh, which was, which where one of my shift in tone came from, was Jay Martin's uh, video of, uh, where he had watched 1,300 hours of D&D live plays and learned something from it. Yep, yep. And what I took from that, and when what one of the big statements that he made was, live plays are acting and entertaining because they're doing it for an audience. And we don't play to an audience at a table. We play for fun. So it changes the tone immediately. You're not doing the same thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's why it doesn't link up. But when we choose to entertain each other, yeah, the game gets better. We're not entertaining an audience because we're not being watched in our home games. Yep. But we, but But are we? We're being watched by each other. And sometimes we do have people watching. I've had it in my 7C game. Sure. You've had it in your games. I, uh, uh, Steve, Steve's wife, Wendy, yep. comes along. Yep. Um, sometimes your friend Heather is in from out of yep. town. Um, I, yeah, we've, we've, had a, we've had a pretty substantial peanut gallery. At and times. I love it when they show up. Yep. Sometimes I can script Wendy to do, uh, to do voices for me and stuff. Which is you know? great. But the whole point is, is that if you can just take that one element of watching a Let's Play and add the fact that you're entertaining the other people at the table, it changes. And and one of the things this reminded me of was going to LARPs. Mm-hmm. And you have actors, people who wanted to do it physically, now get to act in front of others. Yeah, yeah. You have the... Un- <laughs> I'm going to say it. You had the nerds who were trying to impress cute girls in goth outfits acting mm-hmm. and lo- dressing up and looking good and playing a role. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It made the game better. Sure. Sure, absolutely. And that whole thing, like, I've seen that at table games where you, you show up at a table game and there's somebody else there that you're interested in. And you're like, I'm up my game a little. Uh-huh. I'm gonna try a little little roll here. You know, if if nothing else, though, like even just j- just the idea, like if <laughs> if we don't get Steve to do a spit take, at least one's my game. Um, then then I I feel like we failed. Yep. You know, uh, we've uh, had quite a few spit takes at the game. It's, yeah, I've uh, done one. Especially especially because Sean is just Sean oh, Sean geez. is Sean is the joke grenade. Oh, he is. He's he just is. quiet, quiet, quiet. Says something that makes somebody spill uh, spit uh, water out of their nose. Quiet, quiet. I don't think he's a joke grenade. He is definitely a joke sniper. Yeah. Because you don't see the bullet coming until after you hear the, re- you know, the bullet just kills somebody and then there's a report. And then and then you hear the report. Yeah. Whereas, like, Overwatch <laughs> tends to be the joke grenade. Like, he, he, he'll set the, he'll pull the pin and sometimes drop in the room. Other times he'll hold on to it. And just, you'll be staring at it. You'll be like, this is going to go off soon. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to go off soon. Someone in this table is going to die. Yep. You know, yep. that that's where the difference is there. But I feel that, that entertainment value. And you can tell certain players notice it when their game is on yeah and it's wonderful to see and everyone enjoys it i love it yeah absolutely um one of the things i was was actually talking to sean about uh about a month or so ago was um he he does a voice for his character yeah and it's it's uh you know essentially a cheesy british accent yeah you know because his character's a snooty noble so he talks like this you know and like okay it's not 
professional level. Like, no. I mean, re- real talk, it's, you know, sure. it's a bad British accent. But but it's great because he does it. Mm-hmm. Because even even doing a, you know, a crappy British accent for his for his snooty noble character, like, is still 110% of what we ask of, of anybody at my table. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody asked Sean to do a voice. No. But here he is, showing up every game, putting in that 110%, and it differentiates his character. It, it brings him to life. We can all taste the flavor of the snootiness of yes. his character in that crappy British accent. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, I was really self-conscious about it. I'm like, please keep doing that. Just it's amazing. It yeah. And and people sometimes are like, you know, well, well, can like, oh, this person always comes and makes a silly voice and does this stupid stuff. And they're like, they're playing Grok, the big fighter. He's a big, dumb fighter. Like, what are you doing at the table? Yeah, what What do you... Are you just annoyed by Grok, the big, dumb fighter? What Lean you... into that crap. What did you bring? Yeah, exactly. And and, and that's that's the whole thing, is Well, is there's that... just a bunch of people who are self-conscious. Correct. You know? They're like, oh, well, I don't I don't feel comfortable doing a silly voice, so I'm, I'm, I'm tilted that this other person doing a voice, and they feel comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, I will be 100% honest. Nine times out of ten at your table, I'm not doing anything about my character other than focusing on him and his story. I don't do funny voices That's for my right. character. I don't. And I'm a storyteller. You'd think it'd be something I would do, mm-hmm. and I don't. I flat out just because I don't have the spoons for it because my brain is wrapped around the character and trying to be the character. But what you do do mm-hmm. is very vivid descriptions yes. of what your character's actions are. Yeah. And so you don't have to do a, a special voice because your character is still very expressive in other ways. Exactly. I am <coughs> I am looking at how I am portrayed. Yes. Because that's that's who I am. I'm a visual person. Mm-hmm. I'll screw up a voice. I won't carry on a voice, but I will make sure that you visually remember that moment. Oh, absolutely. In your mind. Yeah, it, and I close my mind I close my eyes and I very vividly in my mind's eye can can envision everything your character's doing. Yep. Um, exactly. So, uh, let's see here. The, uh, one of the other, one of the other big, big things, um, a lot of people said that, that, um, uh, and they they kind of posted this a little bit as a negative, um, is that, uh, Matt Mercer's storytelling was at such a high level that it made them feel intimidated. (coughs) But I think a lot of people, (coughs) excuse Mm -hmm. me, when pressed on this said that, um, it actually caused them to up their own game. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a, something, uh, long listeners of the show will have heard, heard me say frequently, Matt Mercer ain't shit. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean when I say that. Mm-hmm. Okay. All love and respect to Matt Mercer. I think he's an extraordinary DM. And I think over the years he's improved his game without question. Absolutely. Uh, he should with, with practice, with weekly practice like this, he should be getting better. Yeah. Um, but, uh, when I say Matt Mercer ain't shit, it's not to denigrate him. It's just to take him off of his pedestal mm-hmm. because he shouldn't be on a pedestal. Okay, many DMs in the thread are, are like are, are basically saying that like they looked at what he was doing and identified correctly that he wasn't doing anything they couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, no, mind you, could they do it on a professional level? No. He's a trained voice actor, and you're not going to be able to make up for those years of experience. Correct. But can you do voices? Yeah. Poor, even poorly? Sure. Do you have background music? You know what? That's easily solved with a tablet or your phone and a Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. Hell, you don't even need the Bluetooth speaker. Just turn your phone around. Now, <laughs> I-, I will say this. Mm-hmm. 
when Brennan Lee Mulligan brought his game to the table, oh, there was a lot of people who did what I did, which was flip your table over. You're not as good as Bo Burham. Have a nice day. <laughs> your, your career's over. Throw away and burn your books. No, you're, nobody's Brennan. Nobody's nobody, Brennan. But again, he brought to the table his acting chops, yeah. his knowledge. His, his improv and comedy chops, because he comes from college humor. Correct. Which was literally his career. Yes, exactly. You're, you're not going to be able to keep up with a career veteran. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's got more years on you, and he's honed his skills eight hours plus a day. He's a professional improv comedian that also happens to play D&D. Who literally surrounds himself with other improv, professional level improv comedians. Yeah. So, yeah. good on him. He's making it harder for the rest of us to look good, but at the same time, he's giving us so many tools. Yeah, and and I've said it before, too. Like, his his show, Adventuring Academy, is the direct inspiration for us having started this podcast in mm-hmm. the first place. Because he sat down and went, here, I'm going to teach other people how to, how to DM like I do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and there's some great stuff out there by, by Brendan. So if you and, want to learn directly from him, you can. Yeah, and he also didn't say, just don't suck. Like, he didn't give you, like, here's the seven easy steps. Don't suck at it. Yeah, exactly. You know, he gives you legitimate tools, like a lot of other people in the community do. Mm -hmm. There's an explosion of community assets out there, of people who've written books upon books of adventures that have told you, like, these are guides. Yeah. Do your own. Here's how to do your own. You know? And I would say the accessibility of resources is the last point that I want to touch on. No, I agree. Because you and you dovetailed beautifully into that, not only from the storytelling standpoint, but from literally everything else. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I mean, first off, YouTube channels for everything. Yeah. <clears throat> if, if, you, if you can't find a Let's Play on it, and I mean some obscure stuff. I'm like, not even talking let's yeah, play. Right. I'm talking instructive stuff. Yeah. Like not even not even watch a let's play on it, but like how do I run this? Okay, here is fifteen different videos teaching you how to play D D one oh one. Like how to make a character, what yep. books you need to buy, you know. Yeah. Um but other ancillary <laughs> stuff too, you know. Do you want uh, uh do you want to get into like doing terrain and, and minis and stuff like that, but you don't know where to start? There's like so Black Magic Craft, Wylock's Armory, mm-hmm. two great YouTube channels to uh, for getting started with terrain. Uh Wylock specifically, because he specifically works with like cheap and easy yes. like two dollar craft store stuff. Yeah. Um I mean I've learned to do very simple art that looks great. Mm-hmm. Like physical art. So like yeah. I did early on I was doing my two D dungeons. Yeah. From from uh, um, one of the, I can't even think of his name off the top of my head, but his stuff is again superiorly easy. Gives you free images, tells you how to craft it, how to cut it, how to do everything down to the, the basic details of it, and mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Yep. Uh, you've got Miniac, Ninjan, mm-hmm. um, Squidmar, uh, oh, God, countless yeah. other people out there painting minis. Yep. Now, a lot of those are like Warhammer focused and stuff like that, but like it, the painting is universal. Like yeah. it applies to anything. So if you want to paint minis. Boom. You know, there's numerous channels out there teaching you how to do that. Yep. Um, you've got channels like Seth Skorkowski, friend yep. of the show, um, How to Be a Great DM, yep. Monarchs Factory, Matt Colville, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for storytelling advice. Mm-hmm. Um, XP to level three is another, another yeah. one. Yeah, oh, no, they're, storytelling they're great. Um, you know, for, for it basically do the same thing we do. Yeah. DMing advice. Yeah. Um, you've got... I mean, just just you can you can't sneeze without hitting a YouTube channel dedicated to the hobby nowadays. I mean, and that then you have 
that dovetails from that people being able like VTTs alone. I think I can think of five or six that are available Mm -hmm. and people who've had to up their stuff. There's a reason why D and D now has core and is now putting out their own VTT. Yeah. That is trying to keep up with all of these other that are already out there that are doing a better job. Fantasy grounds. uh, 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 What was the one we were using? Um, Forge, not Forge. Uh, uh, not Dungeon Forge. Not Dungeon Forge. What the 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 VTT that we yes. were using? Continue. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of VTTs out there. Like, uh, Roll Twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, Roll Twenty has been around forever, but like, especially during the pandemic, we saw VTTs explode. Yeah, without explain. And you you take from that that there is now a ton more that are being that have been kickstarted in the last two years that are about to hit the field. Yeah. That are using Unreal, yeah. that are using web-based systems, that are, like, being able to pre-generate full worlds. Mm-hmm. Like, just give it a rough idea. Map generators out of nowhere. People generating maps and putting them out there. The number of Patreon people out there who are literally, for a dollar a month, giving you, uh, you know, two or three maps a month of all different styles. Mm-hmm. In all different genres. And, like, going back to, um, uh, uh, you know, our, our friend uh, Iron Weasel, who mm-hmm. was uh, uh, saying that, you know, they were able to find games in Cornwall, you know, yeah. in, in, in Backwater, UK. I don't know if it's Backwater. I'm taking his word for it, so please don't take it as a personal insult. Um, but, uh, you know, even even that, like, tr- if, if you live in, like, a remote area, if you have a steady net connection, the prevalence of these VTTs popping up in these mm-hmm. online communities, people and people even just playing over Discord and stuff like that, um, you know, it's made the world a lot smaller. You know, it made it a lot easier to find and participate in not only a game but a good game. Yeah, with yeah. plenty of resources for you. Yeah, you we're know? we're not left with the D and D version of TikTok or Tinder. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, like we, you you have so much more. I mean, like. It's funny when someone goes on to something like r slash RPG and says, hey, I'm looking to play in this game. And four people instantaneously are like, did you try here? Did you try here? Did you go to r slash looking for group? LFG, did, yeah. You know, are you, did you go to that specific subreddit and ask? Did you go to Roll20 and pull down the list and select this option and go to there? And here's the list that you can go to. Yep. You yep. know, it, it's funny but at the same time, like, these people aren't doing hard searches. Yeah. These are people just quick asking and getting tons of community answers that are positive of, I want you to find it, and it's available. And it's and it's right there. Yeah, there's a you whole know, menu if you just look for it. Yeah, I'm not even going to get into dice. I'm just going to say dice. Dice, miniatures, map makers, terrain, uh, all super common now. Yes. All over the place. Yeah. Um, and lastly, like, uh, probably the biggest thing, too, is the the idea that a rising tide raises all ships. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a lot of new players who are introduced to D&D, but bleeding off into other games. I mean, uh, we... You had a discussion <laughs> with somebody who was like, how do I run a, a, a 17th, 18th century pirate adventure on the high seas using D&D? And you're like, well, that's the great thing. You don't. Yeah. You use 7C for that because it's specifically designed for it. And they went, what? Yeah. And what was interesting was I was able to say, like, well, if you have to use D&D, they did do swashbuckling adventures, which kind of works. Sure. But it literally was them bending it to fit into the the, the D twenty universe uh-huh. and make it work, and then they were like, 
well, shit, we haven't started in D&D, and nobody thinks about it that way. This looks like fun. Yeah. And they took off and found and were able to find a copy and do their own thing. And I loved that. But we've done that on r slash RPG. It's funny watching people like, well, how would I do this? Like, I, I went to DM Academy and asked for this and got, like, a terrible answer. I'm here on r slash RPG. What would you guys suggest for this? They're all like, like the list. Here are eighteen game systems that would do that much better. Now there are times even you and I look at that list and we're like, what is that? And then we look it up. We're like, when did this come out? Right, it's super obscure stuff. But like, I mean, sure, it's all out there, you know. Exactly, and that's the thing that it's no longer. It, we are we have moved beyond the eh stage of other games. Mm-hmm. We have moved beyond the oh, there are. And now we're moving straight into that most of the community can tell you about some of the other games. Sure. And nobody immediately goes, oh, it's not D&D. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, some some people do. Some people do. Some people do. There's but... still Puritans out there who yeah. are playing the purest form of D&D, but even that community argues about which is the better version to play. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Let them play their D&D. I'm okay. I'm still running a D&D game myself. But you know what? My next one's not going to be D&D. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be soon that we're not going to we're going to be on a podcast not talking about D&D but back to just talking about storytelling. Do we want to take next year off of D&D? Uh, what like in from from a podcast standpoint or yeah. from like a gaming standpoint? No, I meant like from a podcasting standpoint. Like could we really get away with not talking about D&D? I, I mean, look, it we we can have a, we can have a broader broader discussion about this off the air, but uh, I I don't I don't think we can get away from D and D simply because it is like fifty percent of the market share plus. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to come up regardless, unless yeah. we make a very hard effort to try. But look, I think we we still we still make an effort to be system agnostic one way or another. So no, I just... think it's more important that we do. Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think that importance has shown in some of the stuff we even talked about. Like mm-hmm. Seth does that. He yeah. he doesn't when he talks about a system he talks about the system yeah but when he talks about a story he just talks about story yeah and shows that off same with how to be a great gm same with monarchs factory monarch factory r- rarely goes into hard D D, and when they do they really do i've yeah i i've and, and the funny thing is too is i've seen her slowly like it, it's it's Last video I watched of hers was like retooling stuff in D and D to make it classless and yes. levelless, and I was like, "You are so close. You are so, so close, close to j- just say just... the word Savage Worlds, and you're there." Yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, yeah. You, you almost just want it, and every one of her videos just do Savage World. Just, just, just one comment: Savage World, <laughs> Savage World. Sav- just, just try it and move on. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you could just pick pick your abilities off a menu instead of having to like wait for the level to come up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would be great. It's actually really cool, and you should do that. And it's <laughs> there's there's lots of places you could do that. So right, but but that's the thing is is that the community can have those discussions, yeah. and we are having those discussions. I think it's a matter of time. It's I I still I still I still love um that I had this exact discussion with Knox in the box uh back in the day. Uh, he was like he called me up and he's like I you know I've been watching Critical Role and I think I want you to run it run a game for me and I'm like okay cool do you want to play D and D or do you want to play a different game? And there was this like silence over the phone. And he was like. There's different games. It's like, oh, honey, <laughs> sweet summer child. I'm just, I'm just looking at my at my bookshelf right now, and I can name ten off the top of my head. What what do you want to play a superhero story? Do you want to play a space yeah. story? Do you want to play a you know? Yep, 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 yep. And soon, and we're getting even closer to the. Do you want to play an intense story? Do you want to play a narrative driven story? Yeah. Do you want to play something that's just poppy and fun? Do you want to play superheroes? Yep. Do you want to be? And 
that's really the truth behind the mechanics. Yep. So. Yep. 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 All right. Let's uh, let's get to these questions from Nevim. Yes. Thank you, Nevim. Thank you, Nevim. Uh, all right. So Nevim says, "Are actual plays bringing new players, new ideas into our games?" I think yes. Belabor this one. Yes. I think it's bringing new <clears throat> DMs out of nowhere, and we're seeing all kinds of new ideas being mixed different ways. Uh, has the relationship between GMs and players changed with professional GMs? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think we kind of covered this just from the standpoint of, I think you're seeing a lot more, like it's providing a professional example. And I think your storytellers are looking at the professional storytellers and going, I can up my game. I know because I did it. Um, I looked at Matthew Mercer and went, oh wow, he's the high watermark for me now. And I aimed for what Matt did. Um, and then when... I kind of was emulating what Matt was doing. I was like, all right, now I need to differentiate myself from him. Like, what do I, what do I keep and what do I not keep from what he does? You yeah. know? Um, but once, once I realized like what, what my fundamentals were, yeah. what I needed to bring to my game, you know? Right. Um, so I, yeah, I upped my game and I think a lot of, a lot of people who watch actual plays, especially ones that are done by professional actors and stuff like that, they can look at that as an example and they can up their own game. You know, I will ask this cause I don't watch critical role. Sure. In the main meat and potatoes of Critical Role, the mm-hmm. main part. I'm not talking about the after show. I'm not talking about the podcast. I'm not yeah. talking about any of that stuff. How is the relationship and respect shown between the players and the GM? Because that's something I think we're lacking. Uh, I, I think it is, with regards to Critical Role, yes. I think it's extraordinary. Okay. Um, the, the players are largely engaged, paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, they share the limelight wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you know certain players are having a scene between just two of the two of the players, the other like five players at the table are just silent, but the, but engaged. You can tell that they're listening. They're 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 present at the table. Um, they will ask and answer questions of the DM. Mm-hmm. Um, they abide by table rulings, mm-hmm. especially when like weird stuff, rule of cool stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never seen an argument break out at the table. Um, so, but the other thing that I've that I've read more about is that yeah, we do have a bunch of new people coming to the community with with no good player training. They're they're missing sessions. They're ignoring the respect of coming to sessions or communicating for sessions. They're not coming prepared to sessions. I don't think that that's something that would ever be addressed by an actual play. Like, punctuality and attendance is not something, like, you're not going to be like, well, Sam Regal never misses you a, ready? misses a thing. I'm going to say it is in there, because Laura Bailey did it twice. Okay, L- Laura Bailey ditching an awards ceremony <laughs> is not, I, I don't know that that's a good example. Arguably, I, she shouldn't have ditched the awards ceremony, but. It's her job. I mean, the award ceremony is her job. Yeah. She shouldn't have ditched the award ceremony. I agree with that statement. But it did happen twice. Yeah. But I don't – it only happened twice. The question is, because this is a prolific thing that – and Matt does PSAs for DMs, mm-hmm. DMing, and for things like that, why aren't we seeing the same thing? Like, why wasn't there PSAs for how to be a better player coming from the tables? I I don't I don't know I mean I don't I don't know that that's something that's easy to address you know because I cause... I think that's the and again it's not easy to address but I think that is an element that is missed that's part of the I think that's part of the grind that we're seeing against 
things like critical roles. Yes, we have a whole bunch of new people. We have a bunch of new people. But like, but, uh, I, I guess, I guess my point is like, hey, put your phone down and pay attention and stay engaged with the game is something you can educate about. Like, oh, I, I actually didn't realize I was being rude. I'm sorry. Let me put my phone down and listen to the other people role playing at the table in the scene that I'm not in. Right. But like, hey, show up to the game. <laughs> I don't feel like someone was like, oh, wow, I guess I didn't realize that not being there was hurting everybody. You know, like, I I don't I don't know if that's an education thing. That that's a that's a disrespect thing. That's a flakiness thing. And I'm not sure that that that's a behavior you're going to educate out of people. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, it's also all of those people knew their characters. Yeah. They knew their characters abilities. Uh, but when no, they, but when they didn't, how was it handled? Uh, I mean, it's handled by Matt being uh, the same. Honestly, the same way we handle it at our tables, exactly. and that is try to be patient with the character while they look up their abilities for the fifteenth time. And yeah. you're like, "This is session number thirty-seven. You should know this by now. You've used it every session." Yes. And then when they can't find it in a reasonable amount of time, and they're going, "Ah, oh, shit, sorry. Ah, oh, shit, sorry." It's and this. you're like, "It's on page forty-seven. Just click here. You know, okay. Roll two d six. Right. Add this modifier. There you go. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that there's a little bit of tension. You can tell there's some frustration on both sides of that conversation. But it gets done. Play moves forward. Everybody has the assumption of friendship, etc. Yeah. So, but th- that's the only part of that question that triggered in my head. Yeah. Is that flip. But but I I think you know when people say oh they're professional players like I I don't want anybody to get the get the they impression that Ashley Johnson after three campaigns still doesn't sit there and take five minutes per turn because she doesn't know her character's abilities and stuff yeah. like that. It happens. Yep. But we all have one of those at our table. You at know. Least, yeah. <clears throat> it's fine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Get, get used to that. Get used that's to not it. going away. You know. And it, it happens in Critical Role too. Like it's yep. it and that's I think what I've what I've always liked about Critical Role is that I know a lot of people bag on it for being, oh it's oh it's a produced show. But it's it's not really. No. Like they've got they've got a special effects budget as far as like lighting and music and a nice table that was custom made for them by Wormwood, but at the end of the day, it still feels like a very real show. Yeah. You know, it feels it feels like a really real table. Mm-hmm. I relate to a lot of that stuff. You know, it's not heavily edited. It's it's not edited. Period. It's a yeah. stream. Yeah, there is four hours of uninterrupted D and D. Well, they take a break in the middle, but right. like that's Thank not God. editing. That's just a bathroom break. You yeah. know. Yeah. That should uh, teach you something about your own damn games. All right. Anyways, <laughs> we 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 got so yeah. far off track here. Um, have actual plays changed the way you run a game? You don't really engage with actual plays. Nope. I deliberately don't. I watch snippets of things that people huh. send me. Okay. So okay. has it changed the way I've played my games? I will say yes and no. Uh, It absolutely has changed the way I run a game. I definitely have noticed that. Um, I 100% have watched a lot of Brennan. I've watched a lot of uh, of Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I take notes. Mm-hmm. I take notes on the things they've done, the things that worked for them and stuff like that, the things that didn't work for them, and the things that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. There are, and, and so that's not to say that, like, I just emulate Matt and everything's great for me. Because right. I don't. There's a lot, like, there, I, I, I'm a frequent watcher of Critical Role. Over mm-hmm. over vacation, Sean and I actually got caught up on Critical Role, so we're, okay. we're current on that now. So we shotgunned a ton of it. And what I found myself, like, Matt asks for a lot of perception checks. 
And that really annoys me. No, <laughs> like, I, I get it. Your character should not be blind until a die hits the table. Like, right. if they ask, do I see this thing? Sometimes the answer is just yes. Not roll a perception check. Yeah. But or, Matt, Matt overuses that so yeah. much. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Passive perception as a DM should tell you whether or not they can see it and whether or not that person's professionally good at freaking seeing things. And if it's not hidden... Yeah. Why are you making them roll yeah. for it? Is it plot? Then they see it. Yeah. How do they see it? It determines how you want to flavor the story. Not even plot, but just just little incidentals. Yeah. Oh, does does the does the shop have any potions in stock? Make a perception check. No, Matt. Does no. the shop have potions in stock? Right. Yes or no? Yeah. Why is this a thing? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um. Should you, as a new GM, watch or listen to actual plays? I'm going to say yes for the same reasons I just stated. I think if you watch them with an open mind, if you can see past the stars and not get blinded by the light, if you can take notes, if you can see what the professional people with lots of experience are doing and what works for them, I think you can learn a lot from them. I would say you have to watch the good and the bad. Watch, you know, if you're going to watch a Let's Play, don't just watch Matt and Brennan run games. Mm -hmm. You need to also watch some other people who are just, who have less than 50 people watching their stream, you know, on maybe Twitch, just to get a feel for, like, a normal game. Yeah. Do it. It's going to be hokey as heck and probably will sound terrible, but you know what? You might learn a lot. Yep. About how a basic game runs. Don't watch NASCAR to learn how to drive. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, it's a great thing to watch if, you, if you're if you going to be doing a specific thing. But look, look, if you do watch NASCAR to learn how to drive, you're going to be amazing at left turns. <laughs> and maybe at drafting if you're really good at watching. But yeah. <laughs> and if someone cuts you off, just put them into the boards. Just put them in the board. <laughs> Not that big of a deal. Uh, let's see here. Uh, should a new player, should a new player watch or listen to actual plays? Um, I think yeah, yes for the same, for the same reasons. reasons. Exact same I think reasons. Yes for the same reasons. Yep, without a doubt. Without um, a doubt, gets them comfortable with what they're going to experience in a general way. There, there should be, it helps them set the expectation of that not everything is going to be on the table, giving them a visual representation. Yeah. Of it. Um, I I think the biggest thing the biggest thing for as a player you take away from games like this is watching how the players interact with other players. Yes. Um, and bring that level of respect. Bring that level of role playing to your game. Mm -hmm. Be the shining star at your table. Yep. You know, yep. and you'll find that, uh, and this isn't this isn't a hundred percent, but you will if you are the shining star at your table. If you're the one role playing, if you're the one doing a voice, if you're the one taking the lead on things, as long as you're giving the respect to other players when they speak up, you give them the limelight, and you're not hogging it all for yourself that you will pull people who wouldn't ordinarily do a voice mm -hmm. into doing a voice. Yep. People who wouldn't ordinarily speak up and, and role-play, speaking up and role-playing. Because you at the table doing that is giving them permission to do that. Yeah. There's an awkward feeling, especially with new role-players, where you're going to be sitting there going, um, going like, uh, oh, I I want to I want to talk up and I want to role play, but um, I'm embarrassed to do so. I don't want to act in front of my friends because what if I look stupid doing it? And that's it's understandable. Performance anxiety is a thing that happens to trained professionals. Yeah, 
And it happens at D&D tables all the time. Mm -hmm. I get performance anxiety mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, before every game, in fact. Mm -hmm. uh, before every game. I, I'm my, I'm my ride over. I always say to Sean, God, I'm, I'm nervous. And he's yeah. like, you're going to be fine. I'm like, I know I'm going to be fine. But I'm, I'm still, still nervous. Be nervous, yeah. You know? Um, but you stepping forward and being that shining star at the table and doing that little bit of role-playing, you'll find that that tends to draw other people out because you, if... It's the first follower um, yes. uh, thing. Which we uh, talked about in, I, way early on. Yes, yes. yes. It's, it's, it's the first follower uh, effect syndrome. Yeah. I'm not sure what it's, what it's called, but um, it's called the first follower. And basically, like, if you do something, then everyone else feels like they have permission to follow you because they don't have to take that initial scary step forward first. Yeah, so you have your – in the first follower design, just to kind of clarify this, is that you have that first – weirdo who's dancing outside at an open concert and they're just literally having a good time dancing themselves no one is going to join them until there is a first follower yep. so think about you as the dm weirdo you know mm -hmm. doing these voices and stuff and then one of your players joins you and starts doing a voice and dancing with you usually what that will then is bring another person who grabs a friend to join you all so now there's four of you yeah all doing that at a D&D &D table, that's more than half the table all doing it. Yeah, and then everybody else looks at it and goes, well, shoot, we're in the minority now. Right. Now and we, we kind of gotta. Exactly. So that concept is a great way. And I said the the only thing that I'm going to add in this for a new player is, is what Sarah kind of opened with, which is recognizing that you're entertaining and working off of the other people at the table. Yep. If you're doing a voice, don't just do it to the DM. Do it to another player when they when they react to something as their character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even if that reaction is purely that player's reaction because they don't know how to act their character, that's their character. Yeah. Lean into the character. Yep. Help them pull that out. Uh, all right. And last question. Um, does professional GM uh, – do professional GMs increase game expectations? I think what we've discovered is no. Predominantly the answer is no. Yeah, and if those expectations are too high for you to be a professional storyteller when you're just really not, mm -hmm. uh, it typically takes a five-minute conversation of, hey, buddy, look, I'm I'm doing the best I can, yep. but I'm not Matt Mercer. Yep. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Done. Done yep. and done. And it moves on from there. Yep. Uh, but, you know, again, don't use that as an excuse to be lazy about it. You know, come show up with your A-game. Yeah, yeah. So our next week's, we're stepping back into a new month. Yeah, this new month. We're going to get our Storyteller 101 on. We are stepping into November, so this is our second to last for the season. Second to last for the season. Uh, we may continue with more after the new year. We yeah. haven't really discussed what we're going to be doing after the new year quite yeah. yet. And but, people uh, in Discord, we may start asking you questions about true. what you're interested in. So. Um, if you're out there on Twitter or on, uh, I mean, I guess you could DM on, uh, on Instagram. I'm not really sure yeah. how any of that works. Yeah, they can answer. Um, you know, if, if you're a listener out there and you're not like a member of our Discord, <laughs> or that's not your thing. And that's not your thing. Like, there are other avenues to give. Like, if you have suggestions for the show, if you want to hear us 101 about a specific topic um, or anything of like that, you know, please shoot us suggestions. Yeah. Um, we do watch our social media. Um, yeah. if you if you add us on something, we're we're definitely going to respond to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you just want to shoot us something on on some various social media, if you got a suggestion for yeah. the show, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, we really would. Um, but our next one is going to be on the football or the linchpin or MacGuffin of your story. I'm I'll be straight up with you. I've never heard it called the linchpin before. Really? I've never heard it called the so linchpin before. So the, the two for me took a second to it's figure out. always been a MacGuffin. So... 
a MacGuffin is when it is a thing. Uh-huh. A linchpin is when it is a element of story. Okay. So there's no physical thing, right? right. The nothing is a linchpin because it's not the it's not a physical thing to be part of the story to create through. All right. Well, we got a, we got a whole week to have that discussion. Exactly. Shows, exactly. So. But the whole point of this, our our next one is kind of how do you manage this thing? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, like we said before, join us up on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you uh, up there. Join the discussion with other great storytellers, uh, bounce some ideas, share stories about your sto- about your, your own stories at home, and uh, shoot us show questions. We'd answer them on the air. Yep. Uh, you can find us. Uh, actually, you just did all of those. Yes, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I'm terrible back. I'm back in town now. Uh, we'd like to thank our Patreon members, everybody who helps us out every single month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Subjet, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulu and Sean. We really appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank, Thank you so much for Thank loving you. and supporting us. All of our friends have sat at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you and you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys love so you. much. Good night. Good night. Good night.